You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, can you celebrate the Lord our God one more time for His goodness and His mercy and His grace toward us and just for the opportunity to worship in His house one more time. Well, uh, I'm Sam Doyle. I serve gratefully as the pastor of Greater New Light Baptist Church, and I I just want you all to know how grateful I am uh, for this gathering, certainly to these pastors. Uh, So grateful to to, uh, your pastor, Pastor John, for for hosting us, and I'm just glad to be in the Lord's house one more time. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, will you meet me in Philippians, the second chapter? And as we move there, I I need to tell you, I I had been in prayer about what my assignment would be uh, on days like this. Uh, and, and, And I think that my task, my objective today is to encourage everyone in this room to gaze all the more intently at Jesus Christ. And, and I mean, I mean, really look at him uh, because, because th- there's, a, there's a Christian in this room that, that, that needs to see him today and their faith go deeper. And then there's, there's a sinner in this room. I, I know it's 2019 and if you are a sinner, you don't like me calling you a sinner, but uh, if you, you, you take a look at your own life and, and, and judge by your own standards, do you even meet your own standard for goodness? The answer to that question is no, uh, then you're probably a sinner. Because if you don't meet your own standards, you, you certainly don't meet the Lord's standards. And if, if there's a sinner in this room, you, you need to gaze intently at Jesus because the promise of the scripture is that you can look to him and live. And I think the, the, the text that I'm asking us to read today helps us to gaze all the more intently at Jesus Christ. And on Palm Sunday, specifically, the beautiful thing I want us to see about Jesus is his humility. I, I want us to, to gaze at the humility of the master. Here in Philippians 2, the verse we're getting ready to read, Paul is encouraging the church toward unity. But, but it's not this, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not this, this, this concept of unity that, that, that we come up with today. That there's, there's someone in the group who's just supposed to, for some reason, put up and shut up. But, but Paul's vision of unity is the kind of unity that, that comes when I put your needs before my needs. So it's a, it's a unity by way of humility. He's saying that the, the church would be more unified congregationally if every Christian in the congregation practiced the kind of selflessness that puts the needs of others before themselves. Your needs go before my wants and wishes. Your needs go before my agenda 
my schedule, my, my, my preferences. And, and to nail this point to the ground, Paul, a theologian in his own right, does not break into some deep philosophical prose. He, he, does, not, he does not quote some theologian, but Paul breaks out in song. The text we're going to read is called the Christ hymn. He breaks out in song, which means he aims not at our heads, but at our hearts. He's not striking at our intellect. He's striking at our passions. And and we're going to read a hymn whose purpose is to get us to gaze with adoration at the humility of Jesus. Because if we gaze with adoration, that adoration will produce emulation. I can emulate the humility of Jesus when I'm grateful for the humility of Jesus. And so he says in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 5 through 11, I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, I just got to tell you, I love calling that name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To talk about humility, Paul aims not at our head. He aims at our heart. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have that same mindset. And and his purpose is to get us to gaze with adoration. Uh, Let me tell you what I mean when I say adoration. I I mean to gaze at his humility with a kind of gratefulness that, that before we emulate his humility, we really take in the reality that Jesus was humble for us. Now, now I really want you to, to, to hear it again Because this will help us be better evangelists. Jesus was humble for you. Do you adore that? Are you you grateful for that? Have you considered the weight of that? That Jesus was humble for you. Sometimes as Christians, we know that doctrinally. It's in our head, but it's not in our heart. Because we've been saved so long. 
that, that we reserve the humility of Jesus for the most notorious sinner. We reserve the humility of Jesus for the addict, the one who's strung out, the drunk, the, the person who's way out there, the one whose sin is so bad. You, you know, whoever in your circle who's worse off than you. That's who Jesus was humble for. But, but I really need you to understand that had not Jesus poured out his love for you, not, not your neighbor, for you, you were a rich undone. You were a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. H- had God in his holiness uh, concluded to cast us all out, all of us, full of our sins, he'd still be good, he'd still be God, but because of his grace and his mercy... He was humble for you. He was humble for you. And and, and my task today is, man, to get you to adore that, to be so grateful for that, that 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 gratefulness for the Christian will spill over into emulation. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was humble for the good of man. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who, being in the form of God, did not count it robbery to be equal with God. Let me stop right there to to help some of you because the context in which I evangelize in, the people that I evangelize to have problems with the godness of Jesus Christ. But, but here it is in the scripture. He was in the form of God. Is that what it says? And, and, and it, it says he was equal with God. Now, now let me show you because the New King James has this word. He did not think it robbery. If you have a contemporary version, your version probably says he did not think equality with God was something to be grasped. But, but, but uh, the King James Version, the King James Version gives us a beautiful picture about what goes on here. The King James Version uses this word as robbery to remind you and me that, that the mystery of God is nothing that I'll ever be able to intellectually conquer. Like it, it's, it's the picture of what the cat burglar does to, to the priceless gem that's locked away in the most secure bank. It, it's a picture of what all of the, all of the villains in the Pink Panther do to, to, the, to, the, to, to the priceless gem that's locked away at the museum or, or locked away in a bank. If, if I'm slick enough, if I'm smart enough, if I'm clever enough, I can break through any kind of barrier. I can get through all of the security. If I'm armed well enough, I can get past all of the, all of the guards. If I'm clever enough, I can unlock any safe to get to the treasure. And Jesus knew that, that equality with God was nothing you and I would ever be able to, to master. Equality with God was something we were never able to grasp. So what did Jesus do? Well, number one, he became low enough for us to grasp. He became low enough to be grasped. I'm a a new father and I I know when my daughter is, is hungry because she cries. But we're grateful she's six months old and so she's figuring out how to do things for herself. Now... Here's what I do. When she's hungry, she cries. 
I don't tell her, well, get up, baby, and fix yourself something to eat. There's eggs in the refrigerator, fry, fry them on the pan. No, you know what I do? I open, I, I, I fix her bottle. And after I fix her bottle, I put it in her hands so she can grab it herself. And, and this is what God has done for us. He, he did not count it robbery to be equal with God. So what did he do? The Bible says he emptied himself. He, he became low enough to grasp. My version says he became of no reputation. As a matter of fact, this picture of humility is said twice. The Bible says he humbled himself. He lowered himself. He became low enough to grasp. Now, brothers and sisters, that's good news. Because it's like Andre Crouch said, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood gives me strength from day to day, and it'll never lose its power. And then the course says, his blood reaches to the highest mountain. And then it says, it flows to the lowest valley. And I'm so glad it flows to the lowest valley because that's where it got me. The, the, the reality is that he became low enough for us to grab hold to. Like really let that sink in. Jesus became low enough to grasp. On days like Palm Sunday, we're encouraged to look intently at his humility. That that everything Jesus does in the scripture, he does it with this masterfully beautiful humility. Take his coming, for instance. He, He comes to the smallest town, Bethlehem. He's born to a carpenter and a 14-year-old virgin. He, he, he comes in a humble town to a humble family, and he's born in humble means. He has to, Mary has to give birth in a stable, here it is, because there's no room for Jesus in the end. Do you see the humility in that? Do you see the God of glory becoming low enough for you and me to grab hold of? Oh, that that makes my soul happy because because it means that he's low enough for even the left out, even the forgotten, even the heartbroken, even the one who who doesn't have all of the accolades and doesn't have all the degrees, even the one who works their finger to the bone and has found themselves in a place of hopelessness. He comes low enough for you to grasp today. Oh, there's a sinner in the room who says, no, Reverend, you don't know just how low I am. I, I, I've done some stuff that'll make you, my neighbor, and all of the people around me blush. So you can't be talking about me. But, but you can't look at Jesus as humble as the God of glory comes to us and not see that he's low enough to grasp. Not only is he low enough to grasp, but, but, and, and. And it's, it's, it's his disciples that really put this point through is because it's, it's Peter who says we were eyewitnesses as he opens his second missive. We were eyewitnesses to the glory of God. And, and John, John is the one who says we, we've seen him. We've put our eyes on him. We were able to put our hands on him. What a powerful picture of a Christ that they were able to touch and to walk with. Uh, he, he, was, he comes low enough for the woman with the issue of blood to press her way through the crowd. 
and touch the hem of his garment. He comes low enough for even doubting Thomas. What an insult. The God of glory has just risen for your justification and you have the unmitigated audacity to question his resurrection until I, until I see the nail prints in his hands and, and put my hands in his wounds. I will not believe. But what does Jesus do? He lets him touch him to see that he's real. That's our Christ. You got questions about tomorrow? Touch him to see that he's real. You got struggles? Touch him to see that he's real. You say you got sins that your family can't accept, your friends can't accept you? Touch him to see that he's real. He is low enough for you to grasp. Not only that, but he's human enough to be found. That's what the passage says. He says, He says, he made himself of no reputation. And then it says in the following following line, he takes the form. Now that word in Greek is is not just servant, like like Jeffrey from from Fresh Prince. that's, That's not that. Who he is, it says, he takes the form of a slave. He he took the form of a slave and coming in the likeness of men and, and being found on appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He takes on the form of the slave. And the Bible says he was found in the likeness of men. John says this in, in the opening of his, of, his, of his gospel. He says, the word, the logos became flesh, sarcos. The, the, the God of glory pitches his tent in the stinking stew of our humanity. On, on one hand, he's equal with God. On one hand, he's the ancient of days. On one hand, through him, by him, and for him, all things were created. On one hand, he's the image of the invisible God. On the other hand, the word became flesh and dwelt among us as we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And every time we find Jesus in the Bible... We find him clothed in his humanity. He's sleeping one day on a ship. Now, now he's able to calm the storm. But like every human, he got sleepy. He he was found in the likeness of men. He stands before the tomb of Lazarus. Completely able and willing to call Lazarus out of his grave. But move with the grief of all of the people around him. And move with the death of his friend. Jesus bursts into tears. In in the book of John. The fourth chapter. He's he's making his way. He's he's making his way through Samaria. And there's a a woman there. He he sits down because he's weary of the journey. And there he asks the woman for a drink. Even on the cross. He says I thirst. He, He became human enough. To be found. Had he not been human, how would, how, would, how would the Samaritan woman have had a conversation about living water? Had he not been found in, in human form, how might Mary and Martha have fared with the death of their brother Lazarus? 
I, I need you to get that. He, he put on our flesh and blood. He even knew our temptation. He was found in human form. Here he is conversing with the devil uh, about uh, and, and, and being tempted in every way. He, he knew our humanity. He knew and knows our grief. He knew our struggles. He, he knew our pain. That's why I like what the hymn writer says. Jesus knows all about my struggle. He will guide until the day is done. He became human enough to be found even on Palm Sunday. He does not ride in on some great stallion. He rides in not just a donkey, but a coat that ain't never been ridden before. He, 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 he does not come in the array of some great king or some great cosmic deity. He comes as a prophet and a preacher into a city that he weeps over. He, uh, he, he says to his enemies, hey, if I, if I, all I got to do is say one word and the whole host of heavens will come down and take care of all of this. But no, he takes on the shame. He, he takes on the ridicule and he goes all the way to the cross. See him there at, at the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there's someone in this room who needs to hear the good news that Jesus became human enough for you to find him. And, and, and can I tell you, there's a promise in the scripture. It says this, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. He became low enough for me to grasp. He became human enough for me to find. But I love what this text says. He became obedient enough to be sacrificed. Look at what the text says. The text says that he became, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Now, now what, what, what fascinates Paul isn't just the fact that Jesus died. He could have died anyway. He could have, as, as God, he could have permitted any painless way to rid himself of his body. But here the text says, he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. You know how shameful crucifixion was? Do you know how embarrassing crucifixion was? I mean, in the 21st century, it, it, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, we don't really do it justice because we wear gold crosses around our neck. And, and, and for us, it's this, it's this shining emblem, but the hymn writer says it right. That old rugged cross is the emblem of suffering and shame. In the, in the first century, the Roman government would, would stack crosses across the Roman roads as if they were billboards. As a, as a testament for anybody who would ever speak against Rome, this is what happens for you. It was meant to be shameful. It, it was meant to be gory. It was meant to be gory. Even the very scripture says, curses the man who dies on a tree. And the Roman government goes out of its way to show anybody who would defy them just how, how much, how much, how shameful we can make you look. And, and Jesus becomes obedient enough to be sacrificed even in that way. Now, I know that's a beautiful truth, 
for the people you evangelize with every day. But, but what does that do to you? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you all feel about it. But I never want to get to my, a point in my Christian life where Calvary don't move me no more. Do I have any help in the room? Say amen if you can. I, I don't ever want to get to a point in my Christian journey that my testimony don't stir my heart anymore. I don't ever want to get to a point in my Christian journey where grace doesn't break my heart anymore, where, where I'm not astounded by mercy, where I'm not, I'm not rendered breathless by, by, by faithful and selfless love. I never want to get to a point in my Christian journey where, where I'm bold enough to talk to you about the love of God, but I'm not broken enough to be moved by the love of God myself. He says, he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, there's the obedience. Not my will, but thine be done. And with those words, the Calvary saga commences. He's, he's kissed by Judas because he's obedient, even unto death, death on the cross. He's arrested by Roman and Jewish soldiers because he's obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He's denied by Peter because he's obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He was whipped from judgment hall to judgment hall because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. He was mocked by the crowds because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. They, they, they made him carry his cross down the Via Della Rosa because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. They nailed his hands and his feet because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross, pierced in his side because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. He says, no man take my life. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can pick it up again because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. He gave up the ghost. Because he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. And here's the point I want to say. That in Jesus Christ, God has exalted the humble. Because the text says that he was obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him. Yeah, in Jesus Christ, God has exalted the humble. Even the psalmist says that God exalts the humble. And, 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 and all over the scripture, we see God doing great things with the humble lives people give him. We, we see God selecting the humble to do great things. I, I'll give you one or two examples. But in Jesus Christ, God exalts the humble. This is... This is not just some special thing God has done, but exalting the humble throughout the scripture is what God does. <laughs> Do you remember Hagar? 
Hagar, the, the Bible says that, that he regards the lowly. And, and Hagar is an example of that. Here she is running away from her mistress, Sarah, and Sarah's husband, Abram, who uh, is Hagar's master, but also incidentally, the father of Hagar's son, Ishmael. Here she is in the middle of a desert, this Egyptian woman, and, and God, and God visits her in the desert. And, 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 and what God does for her is blessing her son, Ishmael, so moves her and so stirs her that Hagar becomes the only woman in scripture who attributes to God a name. She says, That he is the God who sees. That the God who exalts the humble sees the lowly. And and she has seen this in the living God. A a God who sees that the God that she grew up with had hands but could not see. Had hands but could not touch her. Eyes but could not see. Feet that could not go to her. And in God, she has met the God who sees. Because God exalts the humble. Not just Hagar. You can look at the life of David. When God gets ready to establish his king, he he picks the smallest city and and he picks Jesse, the grandson of a Moabite woman by the name of Ruth. And, and, And when he picks Jesse, all of his sons, out of all of his sons, his strapping, tall, strong warrior sons, God chooses old skinny, scrawny David. And with David establishes the kingdom of Israel. Why? Because the God we meet in scripture always exalts the humble. Pastor, why does God exalt the humble? Because when you're humble enough to come to God empty, God is faithful enough to fill every empty place. Now, now let me help somebody. When you come to God full, ain't much to do for you. That's why Jesus says, I didn't, I didn't come for the healthy. The healthy don't need a physician. I, I, the healthy don't need a physician. The sick do. So, so I've, I've decided, brother pastors, I don't preach to healthy people. I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna organize my ministry around people who already got life together. But, but Jesus says it's the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, and by righteous he really means self-righteous. I, I didn't call, I didn't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Oh, there's a sinner in this room. If you come to him empty, I assure you, he'll fill you. If you you come to him with an empty storage, God is faithful to fill you with his love, fill you with his grace, fill you with his hope. All you have to do is place your trust in him because the God we meet in scripture, even the God we see in Jesus Christ, exalts the humble. And how has God exalted the humble in Jesus Christ? The text says that God has given him a name above every name. Oh, I like that. I I like that. He he has a name that's above every name. He he has a name that's above every name. That they, they whipped him, they mocked him, they beat him, they scorned him. He died, the old preacher would say, until death lost its sting. He stayed there in the grave all day Friday, all day Saturday, but early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. 
and now God has highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name that at the, at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow I like that because not only did my knee bow at the name of Jesus but every situation that would usurp authority and lordship over my life has to bow at the name of Jesus Every knee shall bow, the text says, of things in heaven. That's any kind of God that wants to make themselves God over my life. God has defeated every idol and, and things on earth. That's any earthly thing that, that wants to take over my life. Uh, 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 and, and things under the, the earth. That's any demonic force that would dare to try to usurp the authority of God. His name is above every name. And I, I would say, I would say, I would call myself an exclusive Christian. I believe the gospel is widely inclusive. Anybody can come to Jesus, but but the gospel is narrowly exclusive. That there is only one way to come through to God, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. Name above all names. There was nobody like Jesus. Nobody lived like Jesus. Nobody performed miracles like Jesus. Nobody served like Jesus. Nobody loved like Jesus. Nobody died like Jesus. Nobody got up like Jesus. Nobody ascended to the Father like Jesus. And ain't nobody coming back like Jesus. Yeah. Name above all names. And then I sit down on this, but he says that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That everything God does redounds to his glory. And so what's the lesson? There's a, there's a, there's a sinner in this, there's a saint in this room that, that you have with this with this self-righteous highness, try to live out your ministry in, 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 in this self-righteous arrogance. My prayer to you is to gaze at Jesus and, and, and to adore his humility so you can emulate his humility. But there's a, there's a sinner in this room and, and I know you don't like me calling you a sinner. It, it's, it, it, it offends you. It, it, it cuts you. But I don't, when I cut you, it, if it cuts you, it, it's surgical. It, it's, it's, it's not violent. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to help you. And, and I'm trying to help you understand that, that, that it is Jesus who is able to make you new. If you would only today come to him empty. You don't, don't, don't come to him and say, well, Lord, I know what my problem is. Can I tell you something? You might know some of your problems. <laughs> but, but redemption, redemption isn't, Lord, I want you to fix this room. I want you to fix that room. Now, I redecorated that room myself, so I got that. You don't need to touch that. No, redemption is, Lord, tear it all down and build it up again. And my prayer for somebody in this room is that you'll come to him completely, totally, utterly, recklessly empty 
Take one step into God's story and watch what God's story does to your story. And, and, and if you'll just come to him empty today, the, the, the text assures us that, that Christ is low enough for you to grab, human enough for you to find him, obedient enough in that he sacrificed for you. And, and every empty place in your life, he's able to fill you. I'm going to take a minute and, and, and pray for y'all. But, but I, I specifically want to pray for my friend in this room who, who really and truly needs to be transformed by the sacrifice of a Christ who was humble for you. My, my plea with you is, to, is for you to place your trust in him. I'm going to ask these pastors to come and these worship leaders to come and, and, and be ready to come down here and pray with you. There, there are altars down here where if you don't want someone praying for you, you can come to this altar and pray on your own. But, but whatever your need is, my, my plea with you is to come. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, you were low enough for us to, to grasp you. You were human enough for us to find you. And you were obedient enough to sacrifice your life for us. We thank you, God. We give you glory. I pray for my friend in this room uh, whose heart that you're stirring, whose affections for you that you are stirring. Lord, just for the confidence to come. Lord, that they might come empty. I pray for the saint in this room who, who, who's wanting to rededicate his or her life to you. I pray that as they come empty, I pray for every brother and sister in this room that comes to him empty, you empty, that you will fill them with your faithless love. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.